January 15, 2024. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is God's one way to salvation. Believe the gospel, obey the gospel, and you get to be with Christ forever. Amen. And you get to work for him now, which by his grace will bring the lost to him. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. I want to speak today about a symbol, the fundamental of a symbol. There are fundamentals, multiple principles that lay down the foundation of gathering a group, of gathering something together. And I believe that this is the lost art. I, well, I don't want to say the lost art. I believe that this is one of the things that Americans fundamentally dis- uh, misunderstand. Because we misunderstand it, we do it wrongly. And I want to investigate that today, if I can, by way of introducing where I want to try to tie my interests and my talents by God's grace together, Lord willing, for the benefit of you, your family, your community, and the nation. But ultimately, for the edification of the church and the obedience of Jesus Christ, because that's why I do what I do. A short recap, I started this live stream in earnest the day after the 2020 elections were stolen. My audience, what was given to me by God before I was censored on YouTube and and Facebook and everything else, came to me and listened to me because I could articulate my view of the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, and my military background to explain what was going on in the fallout of the 2020 election. You, like me, didn't know what was going on, and the best way that I dealt with it was, here's what the Constitution says, here's what I know from the military, and the military can stop this because Trump has the guns. That was my mantra, Trump's got the guns. My view of politics and the law at the time was one clearly based on force, As a former infantry officer, as someone who understood the military, that's where I came from. That was the knowledge that I was applying. That was the lens that I was using to see the world, to at least make sense of government. And the audience that God granted me was massive. 500,000 views a day between Facebook, YouTube, had a YouTube uh, channel destroyed. Um, have had the other one severely curtailed. I can't even sign into it. Lots of, and then obviously uh, the, the Facebook account that I was getting, I could push a button on my phone and I could get within you know 30 seconds, 10,000 live viewers. The algorithms had not yet uh, restrained or constrained my reach. And so I could push a button and there were people whose preferences was to find me. Now with my Facebook account, I will be lucky within 24 hours to have 300 views on this stream right here. Just 300 where I could push the button and get tens of thousands. Now, this is speaking to the informational war, the the differences and the challenges of algorithms and search keys and all sorts of stuff. And I'm not going to lament it because, you know, we're we're going to find ways to to get what the truth is. But I'm recapping because as soon as President Trump left orifice in January 2021, I hard pivoted to live local because my recognition was the fact that, holy crap, if the military didn't do anything, if Trump didn't do anything, this gets back down to the local level. This gets back down to the individual. And the paradigm was pretty simple. It's don't rely on government. Don't rely on the way that things are. Things are crazy. The lockdowns were happening. Get back to Jesus. And I went hard to the paint on preaching and hammering the gospel. Every day there's a gospel call. Every day there's a laying out of what uh, the gospel to salvation is. And that's because what I do, I want to do ultimately for his glory. I want to serve him. 
But I also recognized then when I went to live local that the people, specifically the church, the Christians, the people who are actually in Christ in America, had been duped, poorly educated, and trained to live their lives in a way that the knowledge that they had in their hearts, the knowledge they had in their heads and the, and the convictions they had in their hearts, either A, was based on bad knowledge because they weren't being diligent to read the Bible, or B, had been so thoroughly gaslit, distracted, and trained to be uh, inefficient that I wanted to get back to live local. And by God's grace, that's what I did. I wrote the Live Local Field Manual. Live Local Field Manual with over 1,000 action steps, completing with biblical references, including, including, where's it at? Including difficulty levels. Like this is a five a war gaming. It's a five star difficulty level. Like notes, pages, and everything. I wrote this. I wrote this in 2021. I wrote that based on the idea that I wanted to take my military experience in Afghanistan, reverse engineer how a hodgepodge group of Afghans could defeat militarily the American army. We would win the battles. We would kill people. We would bomb them. They couldn't stand a chance, and yet they won. And I knew in 2010 that Afghanistan was, an, uh, was a not winnable war. Because the people in Afghanistan had the convictions, but they had the community that we, by gun and bomb, could not impose. And so to reverse engineer that and extrapolate those lessons, I put them in the Live Local Field Manual. Much of that still stands. Much of it I was wrong because I didn't know the law. So whenever I started doing this and I wrote the Live Local Field Manual, I started talking about this. This got me attention in a different way. It was no longer talking about the military. It was no longer talking about the government. It was now talking about what can you do at your level to serve God, but also to improve things. Now, there will be other people who say generally the same thing because it's not difficult to see the oppressors at the highest level and say the inverse of that is to be strong at the local level. There are plenty of people talking about homesteading. There's plenty of people talking about living off grid. There's plenty of people talking about um, you know, making yourself resilient and having alternative um, you know, logistical supply lines. That is nothing new. What I was saying was nothing new. It was just something that I focused on because that was the only thing that made sense. The gospel as taught by the Bible and the Bible as the center of your life would be best applied locally where you were. That was what I did. Then I ran for state senate because I had my kids home while being homeschooled saw a pre-roll video on YouTube about two kids kissing, two boys kissing. Ran for state senate. Got very close, lots of stuff, we can rehash it. The result of that was a defamation lawsuit led by someone who's the most po corrupt political figure in Oklahoma and attorneys coming after me unlawfully. Now, I didn't understand the law. I didn't understand what was going on. But I knew that what I said was true and I knew that what I said, I had the right to say it. And not knowing what I did, what I should have known, not knowing my rights, not knowing the law, got me into looking to all sorts of alternative explanations for what the law is because something didn't sit right. It did not sit right with me that people were doing something and what was being done to me. It seemed unjust. I went state national. I lightly touched sovereign citizen stuff. I was like, that sounds cool, but these guys are freaking crazy. Wearing a tricorder hat and speaking the king's English. I am mountain man. You have a banner on the flag and that's a false church. Like I was like, yeah, that, that might be true. But that's crazy. I don't want to do that. I don't want to risk my well-being for that. And then by God's grace, he introduced me to a brother in the Lord, Dave Jose, who is a member of the Church of Christ. Now this guy, our first conversations were about the Bible. They weren't about the Constitution. They weren't about the law. It was about Jesus. And therein lies the fundamental. The fundamental to a symbol is, who are you with? Who are you with? If we, if we look at the, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show you, I'm going to show you how the world will construe this, how it gaslights you. But if you look at the definition of a symbol, just on Google, of people gather together in one place for a common purpose. There's multiple aspects right there. 
But the very fundamental is that there's more than one. It's you and another. It's you and another. At least two. The fundamental is who are you with? Who are you with? And so whenever I started talking to Dave, I realized this dude actually knows the Bible. He knows Jesus and he shows what he writes or he shows what's written. So I started learning from him. And by God's grace over the last year, I've helped get children out of CPS. God has given me those wins. I've helped uh, people in their, in their issues against government because the government has been unlawfully coming against them. And it has influenced this stream because as the description box has, there's an immigration series where I lay out part one, two, three, and four of how the states have their own constitution, are sovereign to fight, uh, not to fight, but to tell the U.S. federal government to back off. We can support ourselves. We can defend ourselves and deport illegals. And by the way, four days after, I'm not saying there's a link. Four days after I finished my immigration article, you have Texas, Governor Abbott, deploying the Texas National Guard to supplant, replace, and oust the federal border patrol to close up the border. And he does this before the law that was supposed to hit in March 4th in, in uh, Texas hits the books. So before the law becomes enforceable, Texas Governor Abbott deploys the national the deploys the state guard to go plug up the border just because he says the federal government is doing things unlawfully. Brilliant, simple constitutional argument. But the fun, so the fundamental law has influenced what I've done on this stream and I want to tie the fundamental law back to the idea of live local. I've never left that idea. But I didn't know how to take the fundamental law and using the Constitution and standing on the maxims and applying your rights. I did not know how to integrate that into Live Local. By God's grace, that is what I'm working to. That is where my brain power is being invested. I wanted to give you that recap because I want to show you, if I may, I want to show you how the world thinks about politics and power. And because the world thinks the way that it does about politics and power, it's actually based on gaslighting you, misleading you, and lying to you about how to assemble. But before I start with anything, I want to begin with the Bible. So with that, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Let me get my handy dandy. Let me get my microphone, all this kind of stuff out. And I want to go to the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And we go to verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness and let them have dominion. So the purpose of man is what? It's to bear God's image, but what? To have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Man has dominion over everything except for each other. You notice how the, that God grants dominion, but he does not grant dominion over each other. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created, uh, created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, right? He favored them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. This is God's commandment. The very first command of God is to be fruitful and multiply. Now, being fruitful and multiply is in pursuance to the purpose. See, the purpose is to have dominion over everything, and the command is in pursuance of the purpose. And you notice that God blessed them. The very first thing God does to man is what? He creates them, certainly. But then he blesses them. He favors them. So when you're favored in the Lord, your mission is to be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. Which means that there is something that the earth was not full yet. Does that make sense? If you're replenishing something, it means that something's diminished. And subdue it, which means that the world has its own way, which is not full, and the world's way must be subdued, which is to have dominion, right? And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God grants dominion for the purpose of what? To, well, he, he grants dominion for the purpose of being fruitful, multiply, re, uh, replenish, and subdue. Be fruitful multiply, replenish, subdue. That's our purpose. The purpose of man is to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue. But understand that we are assembled with God. 
the very first instance of man receiving their mission, grant, being granted the authority, was because we were assembling with God. So the very fundamental of assemble is to be with God. The fundamental is who are you with? Now, I want to show, if I can, if you'll permit me, I want to show the way that the world frames assembly. And the way that the world frames assembly is based on power. Power being fought for. If you believe that power is fought for, you do not believe that power is granted. If power is granted from God, then wherever the power is, was put there by God. That doesn't mean the way that you respond to it is the way you want to respond to it. The way you respond to power is instead recognizing it and then seeing where God wants you to respond to it. This is why when we look at Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22, it says, Without counsel, so without advice, without the input, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. So one of the first things is that when you see power arrayed in politics, the Democrats, the illegals, the corporate interests, the when you see power is, is arrayed, the training of the earth, the earthly way of thinking is to say, I have to compete with that or minimally that power is in competition with me. If that power is in competition with me, I am not with it. It is not with me. Therefore, we fight. Strife then becomes the nature of our relationship. If, however, God is your counselor and Christ's word is who you are, or if you're in Christ's word, you understand that the power that exists in this world, corrupt government, corrupt officials, open borders, illegals, uh, people murdering other people, bankers, um, you know, podcasters, people with large followings, trolls, you know, computer algorithms. You will see power and you will see not that it's been, you know, granted and arrayed by God. You will see that it's been arrayed by flexing of the muscle, um, collaborating, relationships, special privileges, uh, us versus them, rivalry, uh, rivalrous dynamics. You won't see it as been arrayed and granted by God. Which means that if you don't see power is from the Lord, you don't have the mind that you have dominion over that power. Your dominion over that power might not look, and it probably doesn't look, the way that you expect dominion to look like over that power. Now, please, let's slow down and recognize the fundamental of a symbol is to be with God, God of the Bible. Because there's people messaging me right now that are like, the Bible's about dimensional ascension. No, it ain't. There's no such thing about dimensional assist. assist. Well, we've got to understand the physics. No, you're, you're using your brain to input into the Bible what the Bible doesn't teach you. See, if God says that he's in charge and he's got all the power, then you recognize whatever power you perceive needs to be stacked up with God as having put it there. And if God put it there, God is telling you in the Bible how to respond to it. So if you see the power, but you don't hear what God says for you to do about that power, then you aren't listening to God, which means you ain't assembling with him, which means then you turn your attention to this world and you say, who do I assemble with here in order to fight that power or defend myself from that power? This, I believe, is fundamental and I, it manifests like this. Watch this. We'll, we'll, we'll stop and we'll, we'll go on. Go ahead. And we need immigrants in this country. So this is Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler is a rep. I think he's from California. And he straight up says, we need immigrants in this country. He's talking about the... Well, I'll, I'll just let him talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if it weren't if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. So he's, he's making a pitch for the reason why we need to have immigrants. Now understand, the only reason he's talking about this is because there is a 
power political perspective that says we don't want illegals in this country. And the majority, I believe, position against illegal immigrants has now compelled Jerry Nadler, who is, I believe, working cross-purposes against America, to make this overture based on emotion to justify lawlessness. Now, as he's using and justifying lawlessness, he's virtue signaling that we need to permit it. And one of the reasons why we need to permit and allow lawlessness is because we won't be able to pick the food in the ground. We will go starving. And do you not understand how he's implying that my provision depends on the illegal immigrant labor in order for me to eat? Now, even if you grant that's true, think about what that specifies. Think about how that's a commentary on our society. It's a commentary that the way that we eat our daily bread is commodified. The logistical supply line of the crops that are going to go rotten in the ground are outside of the control and the influence of the average American. And because your food supply is outside of your individual control, there are politicians like this dude that advance lawlessness such that you continue to eat. Do you get that? Like He is making a very um, precise argument. He's, he's implying very powerful things. And the implication, if you don't let illegals in, you will starve. And ultimately, what he's doing by saying you will starve is he's appealing to your fear. He's appealing to the idea that your comforts will be taken away. The quality of your life will not continue. This is what I mean about the fundamental of a symbol is if you are with God. See, the Bible talks about your fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and understanding. If you do not fear God, you fear something else besides God. And if you fear physical starvation, you're not going to look at this guy and say, um, that's not the case. You're going to look at this guy and say, well, if there's no, uh, you know, we don't need illegals. I don't want them in here. And politically, I agree with that. But what I'm getting at is the remedy. What is the solution to this? Because this dude is clearly bought off. He's not a rational actor from a reasonable perspective. I believe that he's rationally lawless. He is embracing lawlessness because I believe he personally benefits. Whether it is his lack of fear of the Lord and he's just a lawless person who's a pragmatist or a mercenary. He's a politician for hire and he'll say whatever people with money tell him to. Or he just doesn't fear the Lord and understands that we'll, we have to address this problem and he's just taking the opposite side of a political issue that is causing, quote, his team trouble. The remedy, though, is the live local. The remedy is that you are logistically resilient and you're not reliant on these illegal immigrants to pick your crops. That's just one part, though. Another part is that you can send him notice and affidavit and bind him to his oath to what the Constitution says. That's two. Another issue is that you can tell your state legislators and your state reps that they have the sovereignty in their state to deny and, over, and, and thwart this federal overreach of power. See, when you understand the fundamental law, you can apply it in such a way that what these people are doing are reduced to nothing. This is the remedy. This is not Trump got the guns. This is you've got the power of the pen because you've studied to show yourself approved. Let's see, hear him continue. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level, which means our population is going to start shrinking. And the ratio of people on Social Security and Medicare is going to increase relative to the number of people supporting them. Right, so he's making the argument just go ahead and turn that off. He's making the argument that the population rate has gone down. This is gaslighting. You've allowed industrial butchering of babies in the womb for 50 years. You've killed 60 million plus Americans legally as commerce, as a commercial action. 
I, I, you know, I, I covered this on a live stream last week or two weeks ago. So because abortion has been commodified into a commercial action and people don't think like that, people don't know how to apply rights in the law to trump those commercial actions, which is really hiring a hitman for personal gain. You can't pay a mercenary called an abortionist to murder the baby in your womb so that you can have you know, the, the, the benefit of not having a baby in your belly. You can't do it. That's murder. But the church hasn't been trained to think like that. We, in other words, we've gotten away from what the Bible says. And because we get away from the Bible, we think that we now have to go to political parties. We think that we now have to vote in the right people. Which gets us back to this idea that this, I mean, like today's the Iowa caucus day. This is President Trump. President Trump saying, I'm beating crooked Joe Biden in every poll. While Nikki, quote, bird brain Haley and Ron DeSanctimonious are losing badly to crooked Joe in the polls. They're losing. They're also losing to me in record numbers in Iowa caucus today, 6.30 p.m. Make America Great Again. Now this, and I, you know, I politically support Trump. He's wrong on sexual depravity. He, he was wrong on the shutdowns. He was wrong on the vaccines. He allowed, allowed, it wasn't in his power to shut states down, but he, um, but he at least said, hey, you're free to choose. So that's good. My political support of President Trump is based on the fact that he did in office the fighting that had never previously been done by anybody in political office in my lifetime. I had never seen that before. So Trump gets immense grace because he at least showed us what obedience and serving to the people looked like. Not perfectly, clearly. But when people condemn or criticize the nature of his service, they seem to downplay the fact that his service was categorically different than everybody else in office. And if we're looking at from that perspective, uh, when you know the law, you tie them all up and they obey you. I did not know that when I was supporting Trump. Now that I know it, I'm less on the uh, the team than I am about that guy has at least shown himself more faithful from a conviction fighting perspective, fighting the obvious lawlessness than most other people, than everybody else. But my point is what I'm trying to get at is the remedy. The remedy is not just uh, listening to these guys talking about mass border or open borders and the need for greater population, the threat to your food. The, the result, the, the remedy is not vote Trump and caucus for Trump because he goes on to talk about Vivek. This is uh, him uh, this morning. A vote for Vivek is a wasted vote. I like Vivek, but he played it too cute with us. Caucus tonight, vote for Donald J. Trump, build up the numbers in November. We must take our very troubled nation, uh, nation in decline, back from crooked, dro crook crooked Joe and the radical left and Democrats and thugs who are destroying it. MAGA. Now see, our nation is our nation. These people don't have the right to do this. They don't have the power. And this is the difference between a power epistemology that communicates you have to fight. Take back your nation. No, no, no. The nation is still ours. It was never not ours. The fact that we've been trained and taught to think that other people have our nation is itself not fearing the Lord. It's fearing the people who are telling us that they've taken the nation. When you teach people wrongly in the law or in the Bible or in the constitutions or in life, they start to think according to the story that they're being told. We are not told the story that God has all power. We are not told the story that we must obey him and use what he gives us for him. The church doesn't talk like that. The church is seeker sensitive. The church has fog machines and rock bands and multiple campuses to where you can show up, sit right next, if, if you show up, because a lot of people more and more watch it on the internet, if you show up in person, you can show up for service in person and never talk to the person that's next to you. Never know who else is there with you. And you can pass them in a grocery store and just kind of be like, hey, what's up? Or see them driving and be like, hey, they go to my church. They got the bumper sticker. We don't assemble. We've lost the fundamental power of assembly because we don't focus on who we assemble with. 
We don't care who we assemble with. See, the definition of assemble speaks for a common purpose. See, the common purpose is what we are trying to accomplish. If you don't know who you're with, how do you accomplish what it is that you go for? And if you don't know who you're assembling with, it means that the common purpose, get this, ain't common. It means that the purpose is self-service. It means it's self-beneficial. If I show up at your political party, if I show up at a GOP meeting, the purpose is to participate in getting Republicans elected, growing the Republican brand. And now the, 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 the output of that is that more Republicans, more votes. More votes, better chance of getting our candidate in orifice. I say that on purpose because it's a joke. We get our guy in orifice and then he does what? Republicans, limited government, lower taxes, secure the border, uh, you know, cut taxes, all this other... They, they say tropes. They say mantras. All the while, you and your neighbors and their rights are being oppressed by these godless government agencies that the legislature freaking created. But if you don't know your rights and the government politicians don't know the law, then nobody is actually applying the law. And you, at going to this GOP meeting, you're not actually going there for a common purpose that benefits you. You're going for a common purpose that benefits people continuing to, to, to promulgate a system based on knowledge of God's not in charge, but we got to fight these guys because they got the power that we want. It's based on selfishness, ambition, and greed. And if you don't look to the fundamentals, if you're not organizing with who is in charge then you're going to be trained to think what other people have. You're going to covet the power that they have. And then you will scheme with other people who are like-minded, who also want that power, who will stab you in the back whenever you get that power. And whenever you do that, you're going to be undercut. This is why you can have people advocate for open borders, the destruction of the nation, many illegal immigrants, because you're not going to be able to eat your food. We have been trained to be docile and, and harmless and stupid. So I want to, by God's grace, get things back to the fundamentals and get back to teaching and educating, training people to assemble. The definition says it's an assemble of people you gather together in one place for a common purpose. Now, why is this powerful? First, you start with who you are assembling with. Uh, uh, what's it? John chapter 8. Let's find our Bibles. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall, shall make you free. Make you free. Right? Now here's the idea. When God said, be fruitful and multiply, it was pure. It was simple. It was clear. When Satan comes, and what does Satan do in Genesis 3, 1? Genesis 3.1, Satan does something very shrewd. He gets people to doubt God's word. And the effect of getting people to doubt God's word deceives. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said. Hath God said. Did God really say? Uh, well, this, this one is about, um, where are we at? Uh, this. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt not eat. Don't eat of the knowledge of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan says what? Hath God said, yea, shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see how Satan says every tree, but God says a specific tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, the issue was that people, Adam and Eve, the issue was that they wanted knowledge in a way that God did not want them to have it. They wanted to go directly to this tree and eat it. They did not want to believe God, hear God, obey God, do what God said. So here, the separation, the separation began whenever they started to believe that God was unclear. When, when Satan put in this idea that God did not speak clearly, and then when Satan... Uh, twisted it and he started to make it administrative and he started to make government oppressive shall not eat of every tree of the garden see the laws that we have are so litigious they're so uh, numerous 
They will not and bind you up in all sorts of ways. But God's law is so simple and so clear that you can't misunderstand it unless you just don't have ears for him. So when Jesus comes along and he says, if you abide in my word, you shall be my disciple. He's not lying. He's telling you what makes you free. The reason why this is important is because our nation is lying to us. We are being lied to about what it means to assemble. And because we lack the power of assembly, because we just don't know, we haven't been trained, we don't think like this, because we don't know, we get crushed. Alex Jones, who's been right on all sorts of stuff, posted over the weekend a video. I'm going to play this video, but he's now posting. Now get this. Alex Jones to a particular community on the internet, conspiracy theorist. But now it looks like a lot of the stuff that he was saying, there's a lot of truth to it. If not outright, that's the way that it was. But understand that this is also a way of explaining how the power is arrayed. And if Alex Jones, whether he's an agent or not, I have no idea. He admits that his father was CIA or, or Intel or whatever. But if Alex Jones is telling you, here is another power, he's one, presuming you're with him. If you're in his audience, you're assembled with him. That's a hoax. Just because you watch what I say doesn't mean you're assembling with me. See, the, the, the definition says assemble in one place. Right? The Bible says to, to not forsake the assembly of the saints. You need to be with the people because the people edify, they encourage, they sharpen. You might be wrong in the word and you need someone to correct you in the word. Philippians or Galatians chapter 2. If Peter is eating with the Jews, then he's wrong if he gives more preference to the Jews than the Gentiles. So Paul, seeing that, corrects him openly in front of the assembly. Why? Because he's using the truth. He's using the gospel. This is why Deuteronomy chapter 31, it says, bring all the people, bring your folks, bring your brethren, bring your neighbors, bring the strangers in and let's read God's law. Let's bring it out in the open and let's have this meeting where everyone sees what the truth is. When you see what the truth is, no one will be able to rebut it. You will stand on what's true and the truth will be known and the truth shall make you free. So Alex Jones is talking about, hey, these guys are doing stuff. These globe, these globalists are going after us and get my protein shakes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I like Alex Jones. Alex Jones is talking about these globalists and the new plan for an X virus. Watch this. Now, last week, there was published some really concerning research from China. What the researchers did was they got a virus from a pangolin. That's these charming little creatures that are so abused throughout uh, Eastern Asia, particularly. They took a virus from the pangolin and they cultured it in cells in the laboratory. And they then infected mice with it. And it killed all of the mice that it infected through brain infection. So they've generated this new virus that kills 100% of mice it's infected with. But it gets worse because the mice that were infected were humanized mice. Now, these are called transgenic mice. In other words, they were given some human genes. Now, what he's talking about, do you understand in your psychology right now, you're, you're already starting to think about this being applied to you? Do you understand that that's the unspoken threat? So just like Jerry Nadler was using fear of you not being able to eat as the justification to let in mass amounts of illegal aliens. So to here is the idea of these killer genetic man-like mice that have this disease that kills everybody. And now you, as a human, you hear this and you go, okay, so this could possibly make me die? Friends, the Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die and then comes a judgment. You are going to die. Get over that. Get over it. This is where it matters that you are in Christ. If you know that, death should not be a, um, a wedge. Death should not be a lever that moves you. Paul writes, Philippians 1, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Bring it on. But do you understand how these people are communicating death as a power that is fighting you? And so if people, these godless commies, develop in this X virus in mice with transhuman genetic material that kills everybody, 
Clearly these depopulationists, these transhumanists, these globalists, these Satanists, these people who hate the Lord on an industrialized, organized, secret society level, they're clearly not with God. They're evil. And in their evil schemes, they are trying to kill people and they're trying to do it in ways that you can't stop. But see, this is where I now, so that's one perspective. Now you turn the attention to this gentleman and then Alex Jones uh, repeated this video. These guys are trying to communicate the quote conservative position that's, that's allegedly like the equal and opposite. What are we supposed to fight the transhumanists? No, you're supposed to take dominion. You're supposed to crush them and conquer them. How? Well, this gets back to what I was saying. If you are with Christ, in Christ, you respond to power as it's arrayed by Christ and not as it's presented by your team. If your tribe is telling you there's globalists trying to kill you, the response is probably not the earthly gut reaction to go fight them and, and array power against them. I advocate that you understand what is really at risk or what is the, the sticking point. These people, the globalists, will do this virus. They'll propagate it just like they did 20, COVID-2020 or COVID-19. Then you will have people say, I'm not going to avoid, I'm, I'm going to not comply with the government shutdown. Recognize that that phrase, I will not comply, posits you in rebellion to your government. So if the globalists have influence over your government and they unlawfully manipulate your government to propagate this virus or fear or the lockdowns or the whatever, which I think this, they're probably going to do, do not grant the premise that they control your government. Your government is yours. This is why the fundamental law is important. But if you don't have the ability to assemble, if you don't have people meeting with you for the common purpose of asserting your rights in the law to be logistically resilient, then you're going to get crushed. And when the podcasters, Alex Jones and everybody else, who I politically agree with generally, when they tell you that there's fear and it's coming and the lockdowns are coming, if your response is, well, let's vote Republican, or I won't comply, or let me buy stuff with promo code whatever, you're not actually using your power in a way that stands on truth. You're not actually using the wisdom of Christ in a way that conquers the wrong that's coming against you. You're playing into the trap. You're walking into the fight that wants to stir up the strife instead of declaring the truth, standing on it and smashing it with courage. This is why we continue to fail because we listen to guys like this who's probably telling the truth. But him telling the truth is also gaslighting you. Him telling the truth about this situation is him gaslighting you about the truth of all creation. Let's continue. And they were given human ACE receptor genes that were expressed by the mouse. So these are essentially human ACE receptors. He's using science. He's using science. Now he's using words that many of us have now understood in the context of COVID-19. But because he's using words that may be just outside of the normal person's ability to understand, the only thing that you're distilling from this is this virus really hurts humans. That's the simple message. This virus really hurts humans. And now your fear is being actuated. And now the fear of death, if you're not in Christ, this is why to live as Christ, to die as gain matters. I know that God calls me home at his call, not mine. So if God's, if God wants me to get virus X and die a horrible, painful death to him, be the glory. That's how God works. What I won't do is say, this virus, oh no, it's probably going to kill me. Let me obey the government when the government tells me they have to lock everybody down for the public welfare and health uh, considerations. That's garbage. That's junk. That's unlawful. I'm not going to work with it. And when people tell me, like this guy, he tells me it's the ACE receptors with the mice. The mice were given the genetic, the mice were given the genetic material of humans. 
and it was tested in a laboratory. And the laboratory had the ACE receptors of the humans allowed and, and can translated into death on 100% of the patients. You hear that and you think, I'm going to die if I get this. It's the same script they ran. Now, I'm not saying that this guy is in on it. I'm saying he's participating in a play where power is competed. It's rivalrous. It's fought over instead of arrayed and organized by Christ. In genes. And it was a coronavirus from the pangolin and it killed 100% of the mice that were infected. And these are the things that they are jiggling around with in laboratories. See that? Jiggling around in laboratories. And we have already been trained with the COVID-19, quote, pandemic, the bioweapon, all this. Stuff. Like, we were trained from that to hear these words and already in our head think the lockdowns are coming. And, and most people will not stop and say, how do I respond to this? Because most importantly, they're afraid of dying because they're not in Christ. And because they're afraid of dying and not in Christ, they're not going to use Christ's wisdom to tell the government by right, according to the law, that the government can't shut them down. They're not going to have the versatility to look at their neighbors, to do the live local, to build resilient logistical systems, to build opportunities for them to meet physically and assemble to convey and have common purpose to crush this stuff. In other words, you're just getting the crap scared out of you. And no one's telling you what's up. There's not. There's no remedy here. There's no remedy here. We'll finish it out. This is absolute madness. And it needs to be banned uh, yesterday as far as I'm concerned. Right. Absolute madness. Yeah, I, I agree. It's crazy. It's evil. It's lawless. It's not right. It's not of the Lord. What you going to do about it? It needs to be outlawed yesterday. Wait, 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 wait. So they, so the, so you're presuming the response to laboratories doing experiments on mice with these things that killed humans, your response, your remedy is that it needs to be outlawed. Okay. Okay. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. If you want to outlaw something, that means you have to pass a law to say it's outlawed, right? So if you need to pass a law to say something's outlawed, you need people in office presumably, to pass the law to outlaw the thing that you don't like, right? So then you really need to vote the people that would probably be the ones that would cast a yay vote in order to outlaw the thing that you don't like. So now the remedy is about getting people in government in order to stack the deck to get them to vote the way that you want to if they had the guts and weren't paid off by Big Pharma, like most of these people are, to write the legislation, to have it work through its system in order to get passed, in order for people to then tell people, you can't do that. And then whenever the law says, you can't do that, there's probably going to be some snike, snark, stupid, dumb attorney say, well, actually, technically, my client has congressional immunity. So because he's had congressional immunity, um, because he received a congressional grant, because these globalists have created a system where there's a such thing as congressional immunity and money given for science, that they'll say, well, you know, we didn't know that what was happening with the taxpayer dollars that was going to this institution would be creating a human-killing mice genetic mutated virus. And all of a sudden, it's at this one place and someone sneezed in a bat market and now it's out in the open. Holy crap, we got to shut everything down. <laughs> it's like, are you dumb? So when you see this happening... It's like it's 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 like the fastball is moving slow. So instead of like this, it's it's like And so what I'm advocating is a return to a fundamental. The fundamental is that we assemble with God. We are first with him, and when we are him, we or when we are with him and in him, we will find other people who think like him. And that's what we want. I want people in Christ to assemble with other people in Christ for the purpose of bringing Christ's wisdom against this godlessness. And I don't think that, I think that is probably 
That is one of the most important skill sets. That's one of the most important things that we need to recover, restore, train, and advance. It's not just homesteading. This, this, is, this, is, this, is why, this is why whenever I started doing Live Local and I started talking about it, this is why I didn't like jump on it to show how because I knew there was something missing. I knew there was something missing. I, could, I couldn't articulate it. But I, what I knew that was missing that I can now articulate was that because I, at the time, did not have a understanding of the fundamental law, I did not understand how when people assembled, they could get remedy outside of the way that the world pigeonholes you. If the world is going to tell you about a virus that kills everybody, and he says that the remedy is to get to make it unlawful, which implies the government, which implies the politics, he's pigeonholing your remedy to one very small part of the bandwidth of what you can actually do in real life. And so if you imagine a bandwidth of remedy, he's saying one really small snippet, government action. He's missing out. He's missing all of this. I want people to see all of this. I don't want people to just focus right here. This is where the attention goes. These are your blue check marks. These are your assemblies with the walkout music. The And people come up and say, we will make America great again. We are going to vote. We're going to caucus. Our candidate is going to win. And then whenever he gets in office, they're going to do lawfare. And because none of us understand the fundamental law, the media is going to continue to go after him. And then we're just going to say tweets and we're going to do more promo codes and I'll probably do a podcast and we will win. Did you, did you see that guy? I really like that guy. No, see, I'm done with power being competitive. I'm done with it. I'm now with the idea that Christ orders all power. And because Christ orders all power and he's got the authority over all power, there is a way to sling the stone to kill the Goliath. There is a way that the world won't think about to go against the powers in the way that Christ wants you to. And it's usually not your gut reaction. It's usually not the way that you've been trained and conditioned. So I want to, by God's grace, get to training and conditioning assembly in Christ for the purposes of bringing his wisdom to the world. That's what I want to do. That's, what, that's, that's where I want to direct my attention. By God's grace, we'll do that. I don't know what it looks like. I've got the whiteboards. I've got notes on the whiteboards right here. And as I got the notes, I'm working through it. But I wanted this video to be laid out as a kind of like a touch point, kind of like a, 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 a common thing. Whenever our verse of the day, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, it talks about without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitudes of counselors, they are established. See, if you're not listening to someone giving advice, you don't know different perspectives. Really, the wisdom here is that if you don't have counselors, you only have you. And if you are not God, then what you do for you will fail. So in the multiple of counselors, you're hearing different perspectives, which implies you don't know everything. This is why the wisdom of God comes from the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the humility to understand he's in control. He's got the wisdom and I don't. The only wisdom I have is from him. And if he's telling me that I need multiple counselors, he's really telling me I don't know everything. And if he's telling me I don't know everything, then I need to be humble to listen to what people say. And I need to make sure that what they say, John 8, 31, 32, stacks up what, with what Jesus says, which is the Bible. I believe that that's the key. Because when your knowledge starts with Jesus, when it's obedient to Christ... That's where he's giving you the wisdom. Now, I want to give the word of warning because there will be people that exploit this, twist this, and interpret it in ways that are harmful to my intent. I'm not a health and prosperity gospel guy. I'm not a, I'm not a guy that says, if you believe in God, great things will happen. I'm currently in the book of Job, and I, I see very clearly 
that guy got messed up from a worldly perspective, but he never cursed God. And even though he never cursed God and he still cried out to the Lord, he still didn't recognize that God can do whatever he wants. That like that, like don't, don't lose that. So just because you follow Christ, just because you follow God doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you on this earth. My father last year, February one died and went to heaven. It was a painful death from complications of cancer surgery. They chopped his legs off from complications of health hazards. His fingers fell off. Now, as the cancer ravaged and withered his body, his, his brain remained sharp. His mental faculties were sharp. And the man was on his deathbed looking at his family, asking them, what do you guys think? Should we continue to fight this thing? Or will you let me go? That sucked. That was a hard, hard time. That was not a good day for me. It was a great day for him. It was a blessed day for God. The Bible says that the death of uh, pleasant in the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Pleasant in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. When God's people come, when he brings his people home to him, he likes it. It's good for him. So if I start from that perspective, my response, which is this is a horrible day. I, it hurt me bad. I have to understand that if God takes his saint, my father, home to him because my father believed the gospel, my father was in the church, because my father went home to Jesus, God says, that's good. Even though I say, this hurts. And then, because that's good, I have to tell myself, I'm wrong. However I construe this, losing your dad, watching him being ravaged is not a good thing. It, it, it's just like, a, just like a horrible thing. But I have to stop myself and say, no, that's not what God says about this. That's what the world would say about this. And because the world says that having your legs cut off, your fingers fall off, your body ravaged and withered by cancer, to have constant, incessant pain, the world says that that's bad. But if you live as Christ to die as gain, my father, his last moments, his last day, the oncologist came in and he said, Mr. Jackson, we have this, we have this, we can make you comfortable, we can do whatever. This is two days out, three days out of him passing. My dad, <laughs> like a boss, my dad looks at me and goes, all you can offer me is a painless death. That's all you got for me. What options do you have to beat this? And the doctor's like, I don't have anything. Okay, thank you. Well, we're going to keep fighting. And I was like, boss move. I've got the recording. I don't have the heart to listen to it, to find in the recording. Because I started recording my dad's last conversations. It's almost a year and I don't have the guts to listen to him. <laughs> I don't have the guts to listen to him. But it's in there. It's in that recording somewhere where he says, all you can offer me is a painless death. I'm telling you folks, that is one of the most formative events of my life. All you can offer me is a painless death. And you've got people now talking about X viruses. You've got people now talking about um, you know, politics and borders being open and stuff like that. And my dad, who's been gone almost a year, had the strength to tell the guy in management of his care, all you can offer me is a painless death. Boss move. Boss move. And part of my struggle, part of the thing that I, 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 I part, part of the journey that I'm on is how do I take what I have and use it to God's glory when this world doesn't make sense? When stuff is, is horrible from a, uh, an earthly perspective, a fleshly perspective, how do I do that? And that's not easy. It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple in the sense that Christ is king and he's in charge. It's not easy in the application because there's so many times that I'm that I struggle and I sin and I get distracted and I get mad. Oh boy, I get pissed. Folks, I'm a former army infantry officer who's killed people on purpose. 
planned operations, knowing we would kill people. And I did it. I did it on purpose and I enjoyed it. I was good at it. Of course, I, of course I struggle with anger. To control that anger and submit that anger to Christ is one of the hardest things I do. Because if I'm just full disclosure, to kill someone is not difficult. And whenever you do it, you either don't care or it breaks you. It does. It's never bugged me. It's never bugged me. What bugs me is whenever my guys got hurt or my guys got broken. What hurts me, what, what gets me and causes me to lose sleep is my guys that got hurt. Their cries for help. My soldier getting killed. His family uh, lo losing him. Under my watch. That's what gets me. What doesn't get me is the people who came up against me by force. And me putting them in the dirt. Walking over their bodies. Insulting them to their face. That doesn't bug me one bit. Not one bit. I struggle with anger in a mighty way. Mighty way. And the challenge is to give it to Jesus. You might not struggle with anger. You might struggle with other things. There might be something else that's in your life that um, that controls or at least uh, tries to grab the control and, and, and direct you. But this is why we bring all thoughts captive to Jesus. This is why the gospel saves. This is why his wisdom, which is in the Bible, is what we should be focused on. I want to direct my efforts by God's grace to the idea of helping people train and practice a symbol. By God's grace, we will be doing something that only the people who actually want to do it will be part of what I do. Because one thing I've learned from Dave, Jose, is that God doesn't need uh, numbers. I don't need numbers. I just want people that are going to actually do stuff. I want people that are actually going to fight. I want people that are going to be committed. Folks, everything that I talk about is for Christ's glory. I fall short. I might not do it in a way that that actually brings him glory. And that, that's, that's, that's my fault. That's my fault and my imperfections and my sin. But I do this because I believe the gospel. I do this because I am in his church. I am in Christ, which is ultimately what matters most. There was a tweet this morning from Ben Shapiro. He says, it's my birthday. I'm 40 years old. Thank God for my blessings and my family. And I said, happy birthday, Ben Shapiro. But you reject Jesus Christ as the son of God. You reject God's one way of salvation. So you don't know God. So the Orthodox ethnic Jew Ben Shapiro doesn't know the Lord. So whenever he says thank you to God for his blessings and he's thinking about uh, the, the Torah, he's really probably thinking about the Talmud. But when he's thinking about the Torah, he doesn't have the right God. The God that wrote Torah is the God who came in flesh as God the Son, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the Old Covenant. All the commandments, all the celebrations, all the feasts, all the things. He did all the things perfectly. And because he perfectly fulfilled God's law, when Jesus Christ took the cross for our sins, God poured his wrath, the, the, the Bible's word is the big word, it's the propitiation, which is a big word. It's like a big Bible word. The propitiation of, God, of our sin was that Jesus was the substitute. Jesus took the cross and God poured his wrath out on Jesus. And when we believe the gospel that Jesus took God's wrath, he was buried and three days later physically rose from the grave. When we believe that, when we obey that, because faith and obedience, they're the same. There's no such thing as unlinking them. How can how, as, how is that possible? I'm going to believe that you're Christ. I'm going to do I'm going to believe that, but I'm not going to do what you say. That don't make sense. So when you believe and obey the gospel, when you, when you are in Christ, when you are baptized in his name, you repent of his sin, you know that he is king, and you believe he physically rose from the grave after taking your place on the cross, you are in his church. You carry his name. You are in his body. You now live for him. In Galatians chapter 2, says that the life I live is no longer me, but Christ who lives in me. 
So your life is now supposed to be Jesus living in where he puts you. And if you think about it, that is such a decentralized and autonomous, uh, impossibly, uh, you know, it's it's an impossible architecture and framework and church and kingdom for anybody to map out. It's impossible because you only know if you are in Christ based on the heart, the circumcision of the heart. There's nothing outward. It's all what God does. And when this happens... You are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you're going to do what the Bible says. It, it is it is that simple, but the world will make it difficult. And as this happens, as you walk with him, as you mature with him, as you read his Bible, and as the Bible tells you what to think, you'll be very quick to say, whatever the Bible says, that's what I want. I struggle uh, with all, I struggle with all, all sorts of things. But I've seen God conquer sins. I've seen God conquer addictions. I've seen God in me. I've seen God conquer things. I've, I've seen him control my anger. I still get mad. But I find myself getting mad at the unjust oppression of people. And as I learn the law, as I learn the constitutions, as I learn the Bible, I understand more in the law where the pain and suffering is coming from. And I hate that. That's what makes me mad now. What doesn't make me mad is Jerry Nadler talking about illegal immigration. That would have made me mad. But that was when my anger understood power is competitive instead of power is granted. When I, when I now know power is being granted from above, my anger or dislike or my pride or my selfishness, my jealousy, me coveting, when I see that, by God's grace, he corrects that and gets me to look to him to say, how do I respond to that? But none of that matters unless you don't have the gospel. If you don't have the gospel, you're not in Christ. The only way to have remission of your sins is to be in the Lord, to be in Jesus. This is to obey the gospel, which means you first hear it, then you believe it. When you repent of your sin and you know that Jesus Christ is king, you are baptized in his name and that is your introduction to his church. Now that you are in his church, you will walk with him. You will obey him. You will do what he says to do. And when the world comes at you with fear, you will say to live as Christ, to die as gain. You will be, as my father said, on his deathbed. All you can give me is a painless death. Boss move. Boss move. Anyway, um, believe the gospel. Want to direct your attention to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. It's a new year. Might as well go ahead and do a new year's resolution. Solidify that resilient supply chain with a vertically integrated private membership association. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Take the money you're already spending. Switch it over. Support American manufacturing. Don't rely on the godless commies. You can bless the work that I do with your participation in shopping. Say thank you to me. Say, hey, Jaren, this, this is equipping me, educating me, helping me. Let me go ahead and use my dollars in an economic fight to, smart, to be smart, to help myself, save money, get better at uh, you know, uh, budgeting, help America, hurt the godless commies, and bless you. That's at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Until next time, my name is Jaren Jackson. I do love America. Thank you for watching. Please share the content. Do not quit. Go to war.